This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one. With Nicole Claggett, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett of Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing this evening? You know, I'm doing okay, but you don't seem to call me the lovely Nicole or anything anymore. What happened to all those nice You're still very lovely, (laughs) Nicole. You'll always be. I just thought that that was assumed, you know. But uh, I'll bring that back into the fold, okay? (laughs) I I didn't know that I offended you in such a manner. I would never want to do that, Nicole. I'm just teasing. But I can tell you what, I am ready to put my galoshes away. I am... Over the rain for the past 12 months. That's all I feel like we've had. Well, it feels like it's all been squeezed into this past week, but uh, <laughs> I, I think we're almost in the clear here. This this has been a, a wild winter, but um, I think we're, we're, we're safe at this point. I hope so. Mark me safe. Yes, we will, we will mark you safe in all regards, Nicole. <laughs> well, let's get into the uh, first topic for this evening, Nicole. And, you know, we talk a lot about caregiving and a lot of times – People don't find us or think about caregiving until they're thrown into a crisis or a situation that they're not prepared for. And, you know, you're, you're scrambling so hard to do this, and it's hard to be prepared for what you may be in for as a caregiver and the, the levels of care that your loved one may need. Exactly. And especially if we're talking about um, an illness that is probably not going to be short-term, more of like a long-term mm-hmm. illness, such as a dementia diagnosis. And oftentimes, as caregivers, we really underestimate the length of time we're going to be caring for someone, the degree to which we're going to be caring so- for someone, and then how those needs change over time. So I'm super excited today to be talking to Gina Murray, who is the founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and they are a private duty in-home care company right here in the Triangle serving older adults in our community and their caregivers. So welcome, Gina. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. So I know that you work a lot with uh, families who are caring for older adults with a cognitive impairment. Talk to us a little bit about what you find um, that they're discovering as they finally reach out to need some assistance. Well, as you alluded to, many times the families that come to us, they're in a crisis. Mm -hmm. Something has happened. They may have had the dementia diagnosis for a couple years, but everything was fine. (laughs) Going along fine. They had a little bit of support. But then, you know, they left the pot burning on the stove. Mom walked outside in her bed clothes. um, And they're kind of like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So they're in a crisis, and we... uh, we need to step in and see what we can do to help them. And we know, you know, typically most people want to age in place wherever they call home. And a lot of times families are really in support of making that happen. What do you think we should be doing as a society, Gina, to really prepare ourselves for the needs of the older adults in our lives? Because I really don't think we give a lot of thought to what folks are going to need in the future. We just basically kind of all go along in our happy little rosy ways and and not really think about, number one, that we're aging, and number two, that our parents are aging. Right. And and there's things you can put in place now um, at, at any age. If you're looking at your home, even if you're in your 50s or 60s, you don't consider yourself old, but you can look. Do you have wide enough doorways if something happened and you needed a wheelchair? Um, access, are you on one level? Um, just different things that you can put in place 
Uh, do you live where you can take public transportation if you can no longer drive? Can you walk to the supermarket? So there's things you have to think about now before before something happens. And I think we're just basically wired to really not want to see what's going on with our loved ones. Or, or perhaps we just aren't educated enough just because there's so much to understand about the aging process. And, and people oftentimes will notice things going on with their loved ones, like that they're isolating themselves as they're becoming forgetful or they're forgetting to pay a bill. People are just you know, thinking, well, that's just normal for a person who's aging. But the reality of it is, is a lot of these things are not. That's true. And the things, the changes happen are so subtle and you can kind of chalk it up to, oh, well, mom just forgot that. Or my husband, he usually gets lost when he's driving. The changes that happen are so subtle that you don't even realize um, that they're, that these are going on. It could be a friend who hasn't seen them for a while or a family member that comes from out of town, hasn't seen this person in six months. That, when did this happen? And you're talking, what, when did what happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and the folks with dementia do a really good job early on covering up. Yeah. They're working so hard to, to not let anybody know that they're struggling. And they're scared. I mean, I think where it really, really comes down to as a, hu- as, it's, as a human race is that we are wired to survive no matter what. So whatever right. we have to do to pull ourselves into the core of our being to make sure that we're going to keep on plugging along, we do. And then there's the whole issue of losing control. Right. And they don't want to admit when they get a diagnosis, if I say it out loud, then it's true. And if I never admit that I have dementia or I'm having forgetfulness, then it's not going to happen. It's the um, putting your head in the sand. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, I, and I'll be the first one to say, I'll do that with my little minor ailments as they go along. Oh, this tooth kind of hurts. Oh, I think I'll be fine. Oh, it feels better this week. I'm fine. There really probably isn't a cavity there. And then the next thing you know, you could have dealt with a little filling, and now you need a root canal. I mean, and that is right. just, unfortunately... That's the truth. A small example of how we handle things in our lives, most of us. Um, You know, then you have the other end of the people that go to the doctor when they have a pimple on their face. (laughs) But but most of us are not wired that way. We're not. We're not. We're like, it'll go away. And and unfortunately, dementia won't. Mm -hmm. Everybody's journey is unique, but it's going to progress one way, unfortunately. So what are some of the things that you hear from family members when they're first calling into Aware Senior Care, reaching out for help? Kind of what gets them to that breaking point? Um, Like I said, usually it's a crisis or they're just exhausted, mentally or physically exhausted. Um, It's not uncommon for people with dementia to have their days and nights flipped. So their spouse, their loved one is up all night. And so the person caring for them is sleep deprived. And then they're trying to maintain the house. They're still trying to work. So they've just gotten to the point of complete exhaustion. And then they finally reach out to you. And a lot of times, I'm sure, when they're reaching out to you, they still haven't even broached this topic to that family member. So what's some advice that you can give to families listening right now that might be saying, yeah, this is sounding an awful lot alike what's going on in my life. How do you have that difficult conversation with a loved one? We'll talk to the family. We do um, meet in their house to see the environment. And what I'll tell a loved one is, you know, this can be help for you, not necessarily your husband who has dementia. You know, we provide support because you need help, some help with the household tasks. Um, So it's not his caregiver, it's assistance for the family. Um, We can also say, Will you allow this person to be here so that your wife is comfortable going out? And they're just going to 
make the meals and do the cleaning. So she won't have to do those things when she gets back. Mm-hmm. And they're, um, they're more accepting that way. I'll, I'll do this for the person that's taking care of me, the person that I love. I'll do it for them. Exactly, instead of doing it for yourself. And and that's one of the big tips that we give folks at Transitions Guiding Lights is when we're talking to the families, you know, sometimes that person, I don't care if they're 95 years old, they're just not ready to receive that care. They're never going to be the consumer of care. They've always got this. But if you can have an open conversation and discuss your feelings with that individual as that family member and just let them in a little bit, not to make them feel guilty, but help them understand how this is impacting you and how this would help you, then a lot of times that person is a lot more willing. And frankly, a lot of older adults are still very, very concerned about leaving money for their children. And so they're so worried about tapping into that little nest egg that they have to provide care for themselves Right. And, but, and they, and they want to leave for their loved ones, so they'd rather suffer. Right. They, they're like, oh, I don't want to spend this money. This I don't want to do this. Right. This is going to be for you. You know, we've had adult children saying, but I, I'm going to lose my job. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to lose my <laughs> livelihood because I keep skipping work, you know, to go to doctor's appointments because there's been a crisis, because there's been a fall. And so we'll say, I'll, when we meet with families, we'll say, tell us, you know, Tell us how, what your day is like and describe this. And they'll say, oh, that's okay, my daughter does that. Oh, that's okay, my son does that. But are they leaving work to do it? Do they have children? You know, are they missing things in their own children's lives? That, you know, let us do some of the tasks and let your children be family again. That's a great point. We've got Gina Murray here in the studio. She is founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with the lovely Nicole Cleggett. Ha, ah, that's our, right. Yeah, see, <laughs> see, I'm a quick learner, Nicole. I, I know my place. And we've got a special guest here in the studio, and that is Gina Murray. She's founder and director of Aware Senior Care, and we're talking about some unexpected items and occurrences that folks may not think of when they're in a caregiving caregiving situation dealing with someone with an Alzheimer's or a dementia diagnosis, Nicole, and I know the, we, we're have knee-deep in this conversation, and we've got uh, another segment here, so let's get right back to it. Yeah, so, you know, I think one thing that people perhaps underestimate is really the changing roles. When you're a family caregiver and you have a loved one who becomes um, incapacitated by an Alzheimer's diagnosis or a dementia diagnosis, and your roles suddenly have to change, um, that can really be overwhelming. It really can. I, um, I have a dear friend whose wife has Alzheimer's, and what surprised him the most was he was so focused on what, what she would need in her care, and he realized, he had never done the laundry. He had never made the shopping lists and made all the meals. They had traditional yep. husband and wife roles for, you know, the 40 years they've been married. <laughs> exactly. And he said, this is exhausting running a household. <laughs> I said, well, At least the kids are out. That's right. Their kids were grown. But he was like, wow, this is a lot. Yeah. So. It can be really overwhelming. I mean, just picturing my own life, you know, we have a farm in Johnston County, and I'm like, we have something were to happen to my husband. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been on the tractor a couple of times. About <laughs> as far as that goes. You ready to take that over? Huh? No, not so much. I'm having to unlock the chicken coop before. I don't even know where that key is. But but the reality of it is, that's on top of worrying about that loved one and providing that care, then you really have to figure out. You know, how am I going to maintain the household in the way that it was? And then, of course, you know, you know, me now in my 40s thinking about that, that's one thing. But if I were in my 70s, that would be a whole other ball of wax. Right, right. It's And it's really hard. You know, the older we get, it's harder to learn new things. And yeah. You may not want to do that. Exactly. So. <laughs> I may want to binge watch something on Netflix that day. That's right. <laughs> not that's that I get right. to do that that often, but it's it's a thought. You know, I think another thing that we often underestimate, and sometimes we bring up, but it's super important, is the real the grieving process. You know, it's similar to somebody with a traumatic brain injury. You know, they don't wear their injury on the outside. They're not walking around with a sling, right? right. Uh, so the, the, their injury is really inside of their brain, and, and their loss is really inside of their brain. So that person may look okay, and it may even talk okay, seemingly, you know, at first blush. But that family member is really grieving, and it's a very, very, very long goodbye. And one of the things that I often talk to families about is is really a part of that grieving process, where the very first stages, where that individual has the dementia and they realize that there's something wrong and different and difficult about it. That's really the most difficult part for them because they're spending a lot of time trying to cover it up. They're scared to death about the loss, the future losses that they're going to have. And then when we move into those middle stages and those later stages, that's the hardest time for the family when they are, you know, forgetting loved ones' names and really needing that physical care and all that support. And they're, they're a shell of who they once were. Right. It's um, it's really difficult. Um, my mother-in-law does have dementia. And it's hard when people say, she looks wonderful. And she does. Um, but you can't see that her brain is broken on the inside and, and she no longer recognizes her grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Um, she still recognizes my husband, which is nice, but it's, it's painful. It's painful to watch. And it's just, and everybody's journey is unique. It's, that's the, I think that's the hardest part. If you know one person with dementia, you know one person that's with right. dementia. That's right. We're all so different, right? <laughs> it's true. It's, We're all quirky in our own ways. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, really, I always recommend getting support, joining a support group, even having someone to talk to. My friend doesn't want a support group, but he does have a friend who has a spouse. Mm-hmm. And they just they have that mutual time together that they can just say, I understand. And, you know, the other piece of all this is there is so much information out there on the web. And I often caution people, um, a lot of people after they go through a dementia journey with a loved one, to your point, it was one person with dementia. And these were the tricks and tips that worked with that person may not work for your loved one. So you need to be very, very careful when people are out there blogging and posting about, you know, what they do, that it's actually something that is typically accepted and reasonable to care for that individual with dementia. So we like to often say that we really need to stick to some of those main websites, like the Mm -hmm. Dementia Alliance, like Alzheimer's Association, the Mayo Clinic, Johns Hopkins, some of those real reputable organizations. Right. We, that, that's really good advice because you can get o- information overload mm-hmm. or, well, my neighbor said this. And like you said, well, stick to the people, the, the real resources that know. And to your friend, you know, who doesn't particularly care to go to a support group, support groups are very tricky. You know, I've been running them for my entire career and um, 
similar to having children, you know, you, you get, you find out you're pregnant, you, you'd fall into two camps. You are either the type of person who wants to know everything to expect as soon as that sperm and egg gets fertilized, all the way to what does the afterbirth look like? And you want to know day one, where other people literally want to only know what's going to happen the next day or that day. And they don't want to know all that information down the road. So support groups can be very scary to people if they walk into one where it's a bunch of people that have loved ones with various different parts, phases of the disease process. And so you really need to know who you are. And then reaching out to organizations that have the support groups, it's okay to ask, you know, what types of family members are in this support group? What stages are their loved ones in? Because support groups can be very, very beneficial, but they can also scare people off if it's not the right fit for you. That's a good, that's a really good point. And talking about the right fit, when you're looking at um, families, caregivers, different adult children, spouses, everybody has a different ability in caregiving. Um, I might be very comfortable giving my mother a shower, doing personal care, where my sister's like, no, I'll handle the bills, but I am not helping with any of the personal care. So not assuming that everybody can play every role right. in the caregiver. Well, they've got this huge family. Why aren't they helping? Right. People need to help in their own way. Exactly. And, you know, another thing that, you know, we often run into as family caregivers is that superhero mentality where you've got your cape on and you've got this and you're going to handle this and you're doing fine for a while there. But at some point, there is not an infinite amount of energy you have to put forth in caregiving and you're going to smack and hit a wall. So it's super important, even in the very beginning stages of your caregiving journey, to really build in that time for yourself. Whether or not you need it on, in the first weeks of your caregiving journey is really doesn't matter. If you don't build it in, it's just like building in an exercise routine it's never going to happen and consider that exercise for your mental health allow people to help you in the beginning when that diagnosis happens and people are rallying around you because after a while if you keep saying no it's not that people are being mean you've just said no a lot and people aren't just going to keep offering if you keep telling them no exactly exactly and it's hard to say yes Mm -hmm. because you do feel like i can do this Mm -hmm. but unfortunately we see um the caregiver, the one going down, and then you're really in crisis. Right. So we've had a family, the husband took care of the wife until he had a stroke. And then... And then the whole family is in a crisis. Exactly. So talk to us a little bit about Aware Senior Care, kind of who you are, uh, where you operate, and how folks can get in contact with you. Oh, thanks. So my husband, Tim, and I started Aware Senior Care um, almost five years ago, and it came out of... um, experience of taking care of our dads and wanting just wanting to do it a better way um, comes from a love of caregiving and that caregivers have to have the right heart as well as the right skills um, so we serve the triangle they can give us a call um, we have a website where seniorcare.com uh, we have if you want more information we're happy to do it we have skills we have tools online to help you see where you are in your journey. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you don't have to put your information in. All, <laughs> all of that is easily accessible. We won't, we're not going to call you. We're not going to call you. <laughs> we'll contact you if you'd like us to. But, um, but please, we have um, a number of people in our village. We love to support. We're one piece of the pie that helps the seniors. And um, 
if we can't help you, we would love to help you find somebody who can. One piece that is often confusing for people is kind of how these types of services get paid for. And so uh, typically private duty in-home care is a private pay scenario. Right. Un- unless the, um, the client has purchased long-term care insurance mm-hmm. and qualifies under their policy. Um, so if they do have long-term care insurance, we can file everything and, and take care of it that way. But typically it's private pay. And folks can receive this care literally around the clock if needed. We do. We take care of folks 24-7. Awesome. And that's great to know. Again, that website, awareseniorcare.com, awareseniorcare.com. The phone number, 919-436-1871, 919-436-1871. Gina Murray, founder and director of Aware Senior Care. Thank you so much for coming in this evening. Well, thank you for letting me be here. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. A quick break and back and more with Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Claygate from Transitions Guiding Lights, here's your host, Jason Kong. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions, Transitions Life Care, and you can find more about them online at transitionslifecare.com. Org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, um, we're going to sort of stay in the same realm here. Earlier we were talking about um, you know, dealing with the unexpected with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia or uh, long-term uh, care scenario and you know, sort of sticking in that realm. Um, there's more creative ways and things that we can do to help deal with a long-term care scenario or if you're thrust into a healthcare crisis. Definitely. Yeah, I'm super excited to have with us today Nancy Stoffel-Corti, and she is with Senior Helpers, and she is their catalyst. Oh, that's a fun title. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to talk a little bit about how uh, creativity can help when you have a diagnosis. And I love, love, love this topic. Um, One of the trainings that I do is called Do You Know Who I Am? And it's all about helping healthcare professionals be more empathetic to a person with a diagnosis instead of thinking them first as that person who has diabetes and hypothyroidism and dementia or whatever it may be. Think about who that person has been prior to all those diagnoses. Because the reality of it is none of us want to be remembered by the sum of our diagnoses. We want to be remembered by the things that we've been passionate about and we've enjoyed throughout our lives. Correct. I think one of the things that really drew me to wanting to work with Frank Coker at Senior Helpers was the first thing he said to me was, remember when you meet someone, we want to connect them to the person they were before they needed us. And senior helpers as a whole has the philosophy that we try to focus on what that person can do and not what they cannot do. And so a lot of times we, we really have to kind of look around the space where they're living and there may be a picture or a painting or something that gives you these clues as to what really sings to that person. Music is a great way to connect with that person. And what happens is it enlivens that connection between the caregiver and the care recipient. What So many times what I see is when I talk with a family and I'm asking them what they need and they're not really sure. So I ask them a lot of pointed questions 
But when I hear their laundry list, they sound like they're giving me the care of a pet mm-hmm. for the weekend mm-hmm. instead of their mom. And I just want to cringe. I want to finish their sentences and say, you know, and, and dancing with mom instead and of painting and- with mom <laughs> yeah. and hula hooping or, you know, maybe you can't. I remember a couple years ago, I did a class where you could dance with someone in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was amazing. When I found myself a couple years ago in a wheelchair, um, I, I would just think, you know, my kids would, they meant well. Yeah. But they... They had this this dress rehearsal. Yeah, with they did. Me. With, they did. Uh, they did to you, not with you. Right, yeah. right. And they would take me in my wheelchair, and they'd sit me at the end of the driveway so I could get sun. And I'd sit there, and people would be walking by, and you know, it was like I was just this inanimate object. And and one day I realized that I could wiggle, and get to the part of the driveway where there was an incline, mm-hmm. and. To me, that was that was scared my daughter to death that I went Wee! flying down the driveway, <laughs> and my hair was blowing, and she's screaming after me, and then we just <laughs> laughed and laughed, and I said, "What was the worst thing I could have that could have happened? I have all these casts on. If I would have fallen out, I could have broken a cast, but <laughs> but it felt so. I felt alive. Mm-hmm. I had been laying for so long, and I had." the good fortune that I could tell my kids that. Right. People with with dementia can't. Or a stroke. Or a stroke. They're they're sitting in imprisoned in their bodies and maybe they want to feel the wind in their hair. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to hear that song that they dance to. And in their mind they're dancing. Um, we started putting these books by Maggie Grace in the homes a couple years ago. They were stories of creative elder care by Maggie Ann Grace. And it's with six cents caring. And it actually gives different ideas um, because not everybody has that creative brain. Right, right. And something as simple as sorting Cheerios and nuts and bolts out of a, a bowl or doing socks, mm-hmm. pairing socks when you warm them up with maybe some essential oils mm-hmm. in, the, in the dryer. Just different things where there's that connection. You know, my my husband's father is uh, several years ago now um, ended up passing away from a metastasized brain tumor. But he was sitting in a long-term care facility up in Maryland, and I went up there to visit, and literally all he was doing, he was just in a bed all day long, 24-7, not speaking, not eating. And, you know, I I was talking to my husband about what are some of the things that he used to enjoy. And he was a lineman, so he worked for Baltimore Gas and Electric, and he was up and down poles his entire career, you know, fixing power. So you brought him in a pole dancer? I did not bring him in a pole (laughs) dancer. But I did find something that had a lot of the gizmos and gadgets that he would have been accustomed to utilizing when Mm -hmm. he was a lineman. And as soon as I put that in front of him, he just lit up like a Christmas tree. And he started fidgeting around with things and then started telling me a story about when he fell and broke both of his wrists off of a pole. And he literally had not been communicating in days. And then after that experience, you know, he was able to eat. And, you know, and while ultimately he still had a terminal diagnosis, we were able to bring some joy to him where he was literally just sitting there, you know, sort of imprisoned in himself. Right, right. I think so much people want to know like you mentioned earlier in in the broadcast, they want to know everything that's that's going on when really you just have to focus on that step. Mm-hmm. You don't need to see the whole staircase. Mm-hmm. You just need to focus on that day and giving that person the best day possible. Mm-hmm. 
And if it's just reading to them, if it's just painting with them or putting lotion mm-hmm. on on their hands and, and touch, touch is so important. So many times when we're caregiving, we feel like that person doesn't need touch anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, they are just, you know. There, there's a there's a video that people can Google. It's called Mini Remembers. And she kind of remembers the stages of when, you know, she was younger all the way to when she was older. And, you know, she, she talks towards the end about, you know, her children come and they do their visits and they're mm-hmm. there. But nobody knows me as Minnie anymore. Nobody touches right. me. And she was very lonely. Even though, even though everyone was doing what they felt was the right thing to do, she didn't have that feeling of human connection anymore. And she missed it. And she didn't have a cognitive impairment, so she was able to verbalize it. But to her, that was a huge loss in her life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of programs out there. And I think the the trend is moving towards um, putting more movement into diagnoses with Parkinson's. Um, we've just signed on to do a, a program with Mark Morris for dance for PD. But all neurological um, disorders, it, disorders, yeah, will will work with that sort of thing. I think it's important that people, if they can move, continue to move, and when they can't move, do something where they're stimulated. Mm-hmm. That it's not just so much sitting there with their caregiver. It it makes it go a lot faster for the caregiver itself. Um, they create this this bond. That, De- definitely. That is really, and it's and it's wonderful for the family to see as well. So I think sometimes, you know, as a family that might be listening right now, it might seem overwhelming. Well, gosh, mom used to be an amazing painter, or mom perhaps, you know, was this avid gardener. And so you think about the way they used to do something, and it is so hard to wrap your head around, you know, how do we, how can we actually modify what they used to do and make it something that is a, a quality, engaging activity for them now? So when we get back from the break, I would love to talk a little bit about how people can break some of those things down. Okay. We will do just that with our guest, Nancy Stolfo-Corti. She's a catalyst with Senior Helpers, and we'll continue our conversation right after this break. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. With your co-host, Nicole Claykitt, here's the host of Aging Matters, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. Our guest in the studio right now is Nancy Stolfo-Corti, and she's a catalyst with Senior Helpers. And we're talking all about creative ways that we can care for our loved ones and dealing with uh, a long-term care or a, a health care crisis and some creative and interesting ways that we can help our loved ones. Yeah, I mean, joy is such a huge thing. And I think we really underestimate the power of joy and how that really can help a person recover or if they can't recover, at least accept where they're at. I would love to just spend a few minutes, Nancy, talking a little bit about how we might be able to break down some traditional activities that that loved one may have been passionate about before and how we can adapt them to what their needs are now. Right, right. I know myself when I could no longer get up and go into the kitchen and cook, it was really important for me that my family continued to cook so that I could smell 
and hear the chopping mm-hmm. and, and participate or even tell them how to make things mm-hmm. if that person is available to do that. When I had my family care home, I would get all the ladies around the table in the morning and we would discuss something that we were going to cook. Mm-hmm. And they all had memory issues. Yeah. But it was funny how um, something would just spark their interest. We had this sign that hung in the kitchen and it said, wicked chickens lay deviled eggs. <laughs> Needless to say, we would make deviled eggs almost every day. <laughs> And you can only eat so many deviled eggs. Yeah. So then we would um, take these and we would bring them to the neighbors. And mm-hmm. so that created this connection with our neighbors. They may not have been able to peel the eggs, but they would count the eggs mm-hmm. or put them in in a basket. Just this communal um gathering of how women used to do things in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So if someone has this passion for cooking, just to make them participate, have them come into the kitchen. Uh, either you wheel them in there, maybe have them sort pasta. So it's like it's deconstructing. You know, you, right. you hear, you see on all these fancy, you know, TV cooking shows now, everything's all about, ooh, the deconstructed cake, the deconstructed right. appetizer. Right. How about deconstruct the recipe and figure Absolutely. out what parts can that person participate in? You know, maybe they can't because they're too shaky actually measure the amount of flour it needs to be. Right. But maybe you put it in the measuring cup and then they dump it in. Maybe they can stir maybe they can you know and so really just looking at the step-by-step mechanics of the actual activity you want to participate in and know you know where they can have a success moment right right and then maybe it's something that they didn't do before Mm -hmm. you never know um there may be things like painting that they never had the opportunity because they were busy as young mothers or or fathers and you can give them colors and paint brushes or sponges, and you'd be surprised the creativity that comes out of people just seeing the colors and the textures. Um, we have a woman that was uh, sewed most of her children's clothes, and she has a wonderful sewing room. While she can't go up to her sewing room anymore, we'll bring her little swatches of fabrics and let her touch those textures. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she's thinking about them or sorting buttons when she was making these clothes for her children. And so it's not so much even the activities that they know, but maybe try to find something that they didn't participate in, that they could find some interest and, and, and do now that gives them that creativity in that moment. And it's really important to focus on their senses. You know, what does it smell like? Um, sometimes people can't smell, so then you would want something tactical. Mm-hmm. One of the programs that really inspired me on this creative journey, and they do, unfortunately they don't do it anymore, was at the Museum of Art. They had the traveling trunks, and each of these trunks had a reproduction of a piece of art that was at the Museum of Art. And they laminated them, and so you could have a group of like 10 or 12 participants. And if the picture had a still life, inside that box, they had essential oils that smelled like the lemon that was in that still life. Mm -hmm. If there were flowers, they had like a tulip, Mm -hmm. a silk tulip for everyone to pass around. 
Uh, if there was lace, they had lace so people could see and feel the lace. So I kind of used that as a tenet of how we would make these little creative packages sometimes for our our clients, especially if you don't know what their interests were or if they don't have the ability to tell you. And it's amazing. We're just stimulating the senses. They can connect with their caregivers. So as family caregivers, sometimes we really have to rein in our feelings of pity or sadness for that loved one we're caring for. I mean, I've been a family caregiver twice, and there were moments when I was caregiving for my grandfather and my friend when their ability levels were diminishing that I was trying to find moments of success but at the same time, I was sad remembering how strong they were in the past. And it's important while to recognize those feelings and sometimes share those feelings with that person because another thing that happens is that person, we all want to act so rosy around them that we don't give them a, a chance to process their grief for what they've experienced. Right. So it's sort of a balance there. But on the other side, if they're having a moment of success to try to kind of keep your emotion in check and not feel bad right. for where they right. were. And I, you know, I always tell my caregivers, don't focus on what they can't do. Mm -hmm. It's hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's really hard. Mm -hmm. But if you focus on on what they can still do and and not, I mean, grieving is a process and you have to recognize that and own it, but then set it aside Mm -hmm. because it's not going to serve you in the process of, of going through this journey. I used to have terrible back pain. But I don't have back pain anymore because I have other pains. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a blessing. And I look at that and I think, wow, all that money I spent for chiropractors when all I had to do was, you know, bust, bust, a, knee. Up, bust a couple knees and, and, and my back doesn't bother me at all anymore. Oh, dear. So, <laughs> Finding um, bless in the mess, right, as Irma Bombeck right. would say. So talk to us a little bit about senior helpers and how you can connect people to resources such as the ones we've been talking about today. So um, Senior Helpers is a in, uh, in-home care agency, and what kind of sets us apart is that we do try to connect people to the pr- people they were before they needed us. But we have, all of us collectively, have been doing this for a very, very long time. I mean, myself, 30 years <laughs> I've been in the caregiving uh, realm. So we know of resources and um you know, different programs that are out there. So if we're not the right fit for you, at least let us connect you to the resources that you need so that you can have that joy on in your daily lives. And, and this caregiving journey won't be as tedious as it can be. Um, we can be reached on the web at seniorhelpers.com forward slash Durham. Our territory goes all the way to the Virginia border. Uh, We serve most of the triangle, but even those little pockets that nobody wants to go to, (laughs) we have geolocated caregivers in those pockets. Okay, great. Um, We have programs with, like I said, PD for dance and Rocksteady Boxing for uh, Parkinson's patients, and and we can connect you to those resources if you're interested in, in getting a program for your loved one, and you don't have to be a client of ours. Well, it sounds like, Nancy, that you've been through a huge personal journey yourself. Um, talk to us a little about a bit about, just for a minute, if you would, you know, what you, as, as a person who once received care, what you think most people really appreciate the most when they're in that position. Well, I think it's important to note that there are four kinds of people in this world. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
those that give care, Mm -hmm. those that are currently receiving care, those that will need care, and um, let's see, did I say all of them? There's four. It's a a quote by Rosalind Carter. Um, We're all going to do this journey Mm -hmm. at one point and another in one of the roles. I think what's really important is to look at that person as a person, mm-hmm. at not as the person sitting in the wheelchair or the person that that's laying in a bed. Barriers aside. Right. Just try to, to, to look into that person mm-hmm. and and find that that spark that was there and and kindle it. I like to say palms up, arms down, receive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great and way to put it. And it's really hard to do when you are a caregiver. It is to easier to say, care. but hard to do. She is Nancy Stolfo Corti, and she is a catalyst. Man, I love that title. That's such a cool title. With <laughs> seniors, senior helpers, and thank you so much for coming in this evening and talking with you us. You are so welcome. Thank N- you, Nicole. Any uh, housekeeping or plugs that we need to get in before we head out tonight? Well, you know, I just want to say um, this is the birthday week for Transitions Life Care. So happy 40th birthday, Transitions Life Care. Yeah, that's a tremendous achievement, and they've come come a long way. If you missed our uh, anniversary episode that we did. A few weeks back, it was a, a truly a, a great one. You can go online to WPTF.com, head over to the Aging Matters section. You can find that episode there. It's, real, it's such a wonderful story, the Transitions Life Care story, formerly uh, Hospice of Wake County. So, uh, again, if you missed that, WPTF.com is the website. Head on over to the Aging Matters section. We're out of time for tonight. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a wonderful night. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on News Radio 680 WPTF. For more information, log on transitionslifecare.org.